This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Harden now. Hutton going past one man, finding Wagstaff, Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Now then guys, uh, we started it a couple of minutes early because um, everything's fine, Michael's here, it's all ready. Uh, audio checks are fine, we're all sorted to go for the first big episode of season three. Uh, I'm joined by Will, who's not been on for a few, a couple of months now. Best, ep- best appearance in a while? It's been a while. Have it's been you a missed nice it? Time. Have you missed podcasting or have you been chill? Chill. Chill, yeah, I thought you would be. Um, obviously, uh, we, we we lost Candy King as a sponsor. Uh, they decided to go down a different route um, in the summer. So our standalone sponsors this season are six yards out at the minute. Obviously, your uh, usual home for retro memorabilia, they do cups, coasters, posters on the wall, cushion covers, anything you can think of. Uh, you can customise it with uh, something like the 93 Tiger Print iconic design, anything like that. There's even a request kit feature, which you can you know choose a specific kit design you want on it. Uh, if they don't have it on the website, and they will sort it out for you. And, you you know, it's perfect Father's Day, birthday present, anything like that for any City fan. So head over to their website on the link tree. And then we've also got an exciting new partnership with the Facebook group, The Amber Circle. Uh, it's a whole City fan group, similar to the the other infamous ones, which uh, we'll probably stay clear of mentioning. Um, but ran in a way that's you know, makes you feel friendly, connected. You can discuss our, you know, football club in a, in a way that helps you feel... Um, you know, more, I don't know, connected with everybody else rather than sort of absconded. Um, they're, they've nearly had a thousand members. Uh, we'll be posting our content from Facebook exclusively in that group instead of the all the other ones. So if you want, you know, to chat to us, uh, to watch our stuff, then make sure you join that group. The link is also on the link tree. Um, help us boost them numbers up, share it about two would be a massive help. But um, as we now get into it, we will welcome Michael onto the stream. Yes, how are you doing? Good how are you doing, Michael? Right? Very well, thank you. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's an exciting one because, uh, like, I, like I was saying before we went live, it was a that period of you know that decade really was a, a huge, huge part of Hull City history and some of the most successful memories we'll ever have, some of the best memories we'll ever have, and you were a part of that, a big part of that for quite a few years. So it's exciting to have you on and to chat to you and. Um, Hope we, uh, <laughs> we we don't stay t- into any territory that you don't want to be in. Um, 
So we'll start anyway with the uh, start of your career. How did you get into football? Um, so I was back probably, uh, remember watching the 1990 FA Cup final, Crystal Palace and Manchester United. Um, so that was that was really the first sort of game I remembered watching. Um, and from that point, uh, I fancied sort of giving football a try. My dad took me to a local club in, in Blackheath called Villacourt. Um, and I think I trained once or twice, didn't like it. Um, and then... Um, I remember, I remember bits of the 1990 World Cup uh, in Italy. And then um, the next sort of match I remember was the 91 FA Cup final, Tottenham, um, mm. playing Nottingham Forest. Um, and after that, I, I went back to the, to the little local team and um, just all fell in love with it from there, really. I had a really good little, little there's a new team that was set up, I had a really good manager, and the team came team really well. Um, and that's, that's how I first got into football. Because mm. I, I I I know you went into um, was Charlton was your first club was it and um, yeah, so... I remember reading something about um, was it Inter Milan did you was, was that how you got in was it like an Inter Milan scholarship or something no 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 so um, I started at West Ham actually I trained when I was at primary school to, to travel over to West Ham which is in East London I'm on the other side of London um, but then I had a choice after a couple of years between Charlton and West Ham um, I simply chose Charlton because it was on my doorstep. Um, so I was at Charlton from the age of about 13 um, all the way through to um, when I left school and they offered me a scholarship Charlton which I, which I took obviously um, and then uh, Charlton had just formed a link with Inter um, just as I was doing my GCSEs at school and there was talk about you know how it would all be set up and stuff but they ended up doing like an exchange so like two academy players from Charlton go there and two from there go to Charlton so um, I was chosen with another lad to go to uh, over to Italy. Um, but it, it was for the season it was supposed to be. Um, but we ended up doing, I think, four or five months in the end. Um, so, yeah, so that was a great experience for me to um, start my football career, really, because I'd just left school, started full-time football, and then to go over to Italy and experience a totally different culture and different way of life, different style of football, was, um, was a really good sort of, you know, experience for me in, in the early stages of, what I'd hoped would be a sort of long career. Mm. Was, was that when Roy Hodgson was there or was it just after he left? Yeah, that was after Roy Hodgson, yeah. So yeah. there was, um, so Robbie Keane was actually a player there at the time. Um, so, um, yeah, so we, we had some good days there. We had some good experiences. We, we, I remember one time we trained against um, the first team, actually, Academy V first team. And um, that was, uh, you know, simply unbelievable experience playing against the likes of Vieri and Ricoba and Parent Sadoff, they had some, you know, world-class players, players. to sort of, you know, put ourselves against. So um, there, there was moments that, you know, certainly put me in good stead for for my career going forward. Yeah. Um, did you did you have a specific football idol when you was growing up? Then did you always know you was going to be a centre half? Did you mould yourself on somebody or? <laughs> well, I was always a big. Big uh, young boy, so um, naturally I sort of went into the centre half position, and yeah, literally stayed there, you know, from a very young age until, you know, well, my whole career I played centre back. I think I played right back maybe one one or two times, but um, yeah, I was always always. Lost him, I think. Can you hear us, Michael? Live podcasting. 
<laughs> Technology. <yeah. laughs> hmm. I think we might have lost him entirely. We'll wait for him to come back anyway. We'll we'll, we'll talk about Suri um, whilst we wait for Michael's connection to come back. Um, obviously, we just announced signing John Michael Suri, which we at one point looked like it wouldn't happen. Um, looked like he was going to Italy at one point, and um, but now has signed for City. What are we thinking about that? Will good signing? Nice crap signing. <laughs> of course, it's great signing. It's signing we should not be making. <laughs> Simply put. At championship level, it's it is absurd. Like I, I know, obviously, there can be probably a few uh, examples of players that signed for big fees and then end up dropping a division for free later. But considering a few years ago, you were twenty five million pound player in the in the Premier League for Fulham and, and Barcelona were after him. You know, names like that being linked with you, you must be a good player, uh, especially for the, to have that amount of money spent on you. So, and he's a title winner. He played for over thirty games for Fulham last season. Um, you know, so if if he's good enough to play in a side that's you know competing up at that the higher level of the championship and lower ends of the Premier League, then that's automatically upgrading the caliber of players we've got. Um, I don't know what kind of wages he's on. I think it's been reported he's on quite a drop. Um, he's taken a big of a big decrease, leaving Fulham to come towards. Uh, I think it says a lot that he's about. He wants to play football a bit more than just focusing on the money, which is a good. And have, have, you, have you seen his interview? I was listening to his interview he'd just done. He was like, uh, I no, to no. be a role model for the younger players, which is always a good sign for a player coming in. Yeah, I mean, it's players like that that have got experience, especially like at an international stage. And like we said, we play with, with, with teams such as Fulham that have been bouncing from the top tier to the championship for a few years. And um, for him to, you know, players like Regan Slater, um, Doherty, who's a bit of a box to box midfielder too, they can they can watch him train, they can learn stuff from him, and and, and can hopefully progress their own careers. Which in turn, obviously, because we know how good Slater and Doherty can be. I know Doherty had a bit of a mismatch season last season, um, but to have that option, to have that role model in training, um, can only be a benefit to the squad entirely. And I think it sends like a, a bit of a statement to other players that potentially might be signing because if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, they must be on something good if, if if he's going there kind of thing. Question is, when's, who's going to be next to be announced? Is it going to be Aliar? Is it going to be the Colombian? I've forgotten the name of because I'm useless. Is it going to be Adara Traore, even though he's now out till Christmas? Uh, I mean, we've we've had a very strange summer, haven't we, for transfers and people wanting to announce pretty much nine hundred of them every single day. And I think I, I think about, I complain about it too much. I'll be honest. I, I think the thing, the problem, I think the what the what the biggest problem is is that we know the players are like here and traveling and training and doing whatnot, but we they're not being announced. So it's like I don't know. Maybe if they weren't being spotted in like Hull City clothing and being at the stadium and doing all this kind of thing, people would be less pushy, but it's it's strange, isn't it, to see so many you say players. that. I think yeah. spotting them in the city gear means people should, would be less pushy because if there was just nothing at all... Yeah, then... but it's just the confusement, isn't it? Why are they in city gear, but we've not technically signed them? Do you know what I mean? Confusion. It's weird. It is weird. 
you can kind of it's 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 a bizarre because if 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 they are in City Club or in the training and they're they're available for whatever, then you might as well announce them, aren't you? But I'm honestly disappointed we announced anyone. I really think we should have not announced anyone or revealed the kit at all until the opening day of the season. We should have worn last season's kit all the way through preseason. Mm. Just to wind people up. Right. What I'm going to do is I might <laughs> give him a call and see how we're doing. I do love live podcasting. Yeah. It always brings it's out not, it's not gone wrong. mistakes. It's not gone this wrong before, has it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Unless you're Nathaniel doing a space. And he's gone. I'm on my own. Great stuff. Um, this is quality, quality podcasting going on here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on my own and I've got no script. Um, nice weather today. Um, uh, nice day for a beer. Uh, anyone off to Ferroby? Anyone off to Istanbul? Oh, he's back. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. His internet all kicked out, so he's um he's just restarting it all now. I was having a little giggle whilst you were just trying to wing Speak it. Speak of your the own. devil. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Yay! And he, you're on uh, mute, saying you might Mike's not connected. Trying to unmute it, but it's saying that your mic is not connected. <laughs> there we go. He's back. Sorry about that. Modern technology, eh? Is <laughs> what we say. That 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 that's the most wrong it's gone and when we've done a live episode. So uh, the, <laughs> I'd rather it now than later. Um, yeah, hopefully. That's the end of it. <laughs> you say that when Phil was on, right at the end, as we were about to finish, he just completely disappeared. <laughs> yeah, but he probably just pressed leave, didn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> um, so, um, I think he was on about, obviously, your, um, a possibility of a foot. Uh, I asked you if you had a footballing idol, if you were molding yourself on a certain player. Um, not really. Like I can say, so like, um, the FA Cup final in 91 was a game that I remember fondly and, Tottenham played, and I was a Tottenham fan from that moment. Um, so probably like Gary Mabbott, someone like that, um, yeah. was really someone I looked up to. And then obviously Sol Campbell come along, and sort of yeah, them sort of players in in my position were the ones I I sort of looked up to growing up. Yeah, because um, it's because it, like you say, because when I think when you're so tall, uh, it limits yourself, doesn't it? So what, if you're going into football, you realistically you're only going to be a goalkeeper, a centre half, or a striker. <laughs> you fairly because I don't think you see that many uh, sort of. I, mean, I think Crooks at Middlesbrough, uh, he's uh, he's quite a big lad, isn't he? But it's very rare. And um, did did you ever did you would you ever tempted to be striker? Did you ever throw that about in training a bit? Uh, no, not really, mate. Um, I was obviously bigger <laughs> and slower, so they stuck me at the back, like you say, and it's you know it's just stuck from there. Really, I think um, I think sort of in modern day football, you know, you can get smaller centre halves these days and more ball playing centre halves. So. Um, you know, I think times have changed slightly, and obviously players 
tend to try different positions uh, in academies now, so they they get used to different sort of ways of playing. But um, back in the day when I was young, um, I was literally slung at the back and you know get on with it basically. <laughs> yeah, well, you got good at it, so fair play. Yeah. Uh, you got a couple of questions, Will? Uh, yeah, obviously he spent obviously some time at Charlton and Brentford, and obviously was I think he was at Leighton Orient as well, weren't you? Briefly on yeah. loan. Um, when he came, obviously came into all about two thousand and six. But um, so, what, what, how did that really come about coming into All City? Well, I'd had two good seasons at Brentford. Um, That's really my first sort of experience of playing regularly. First team is in League One, which is, as you know, it's a really competitive league. Um, and I played near enough. Oh, must have been, must have been like 110 games in then two years. So quite a lot of games and, and gained a lot of experience. Worked under a really good manager in Martin Allen. Um, just missed out in the playoffs, actually. Um, got knocked out in the semi-finals in both years. So um, I felt after the second year, um, I was really looking to sort of step up um, and try and play in the championship. And then um, agent called and said that Hull were interested. And um, to be honest, it was my only real option um, in the championship. And I thought, yeah, definitely, I fancy it. I remember playing against Hull for Brentford um, in the first year when I was there, um, playing at the KC, you know, in front of a, a really good crowd. And so you had a good team at the time. You got promoted from that League One um, and remember it fondly. And, and when the call came in about Hull, um, it really sort of pricked my ears and I was, I was I was bang up for it straight away. Fair enough. Um, obviously, with uh, Phil Parkinson who brought you in, what were you, obviously, when you came in, who were your thoughts on Parkinson, actually? Because obviously... He was he's a manager who around it for us has been a bit a lot of people would maybe put him lower down. But obviously he brought in a lot of players like yourself who ended up being so important to the team. What were you what was it like being under him? Yeah, good. I mean, um I come across Parky when he was coach the manager playing for Brentford, played against his teams a few times and um he was highly thought of um as a manager, young manager. Um, and himself got a, a good move to Hull City. And then when they come calling, obviously knew he's the manager. Uh, and, and he was a big reason why I decided to come to the club as well. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's keen to get me in. Um, and yeah, I, I was looking forward to working with him. I think um, there's a, a few players came in at the time, like Sam Ricketts, uh, Dean Marnie, uh, Fozzie, Nicky Forster came in and, and we sort of stuck together a little bit and we were sort of like the boys from the South, really, coming into a squad yeah. of um, a lot of Northern boys. You know, the team spirit is really good. The team had had a lot of success. Um, and it was just a, it was just a tricky start. I mean, the first game we played away at, at West Brom, tough game. I think they'd just been relegated from the Premier League. So um, it was always going to be a tough game away. I think the, the most disappointing thing was the second game, Barnsley on a Tuesday night, local derby. Um, I think we was two new up. I think Parky scored two goals. Um, mm. really good first half. In the second half, we capitulated pretty much. Yeah. Lost the game three two, and and from that moment, it was a bit, you know, this is going to be tough. And um, I think from that moment, we we struggled, um, struggled to get anything going. Obviously, the new manager, new players that had come in. Um, but no, no, Parky was certainly um, a good manager, and um, I, I was I was you know gutted really. It didn't work out for him and. And um, he, he sort of moved on, you know, fairly early into his time there at the club. Mm. I mean, because obviously we'd had quite a successful season the, the, the year before under Peter Taylor, uh, staying up fairly safely. And I think it was about 18th. Um, 
I think the hopes were that we'd obviously build on that and maybe try pushing you know, her to a mid-table sort of thing. And considering the, the the start of Phil Parkinson's reign, obviously that first half of the season was 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 not great whatsoever, and we were lingering down at the the bottom three end of the table. What what do you think? What what went wrong that season? What what it was there anything to put your finger on, or was it just literally like you said, you just couldn't find sort of like that rhythm to to get that consistency needed? Yeah, I think that was it, basically. Just, yeah, just couldn't find that rhythm. Like I say, a few new players came into a group of lads that had had success there. Um, it was tough to get the team spirit going, I think. A lot of new players. Um, and yeah, like I say, a bad start sometimes can put you in a bad place. And it sort of snowballed, really, in a way that uh, we really struggled to pick up form, pick up wins and, and climb the table. Um and of course, um, sort of October, November time comes around, and then and then Phil Brand comes through the door, um, and then things you know start to change. The manager ends up leaving, and and then all of a sudden, it's um, it's, it's a new regime from there. Yeah, and then obviously mentioning Brownie, um, what was was there a huge difference then between the two managers? What what changed between Phil Brown and Phil Parkinson that sort of led us to, you know, finish the season a lot stronger and stay up? Um, I think. Um, Phil Brown was probably more more hands on, I'd say, with with the coaching of the team in training. Um, we took pretty much every session. Um, Phil Brown, he, he liked to be right amongst it and and really um, sort of showing people the way he wants the team to play and, and what needs to be done. Um, and I think you know from the moment he came in as a as a coach under Phil Brown, um, you know a few more bad results, and we always sort of knew that, that Parky might have been struggling. And um, Phil Brown was always going to be the one to sort of take us forward. Um, I think from from the moment Brownie was in control, uh, I remember the first game I wasn't involved, he left me out. And that was really, that was tough for me to take because that was the first time in my career that I'd been sort of left out of, of any mm. team, even like in the academy, in the youth team. Um, I wasn't really used to not playing. Uh, like I say, two years at League One, I played near enough every game and then, the start under Parky, I played every game. So to be left out was a was a big blow for myself. Um, but the team slowly, you know, gathered momentum and picked up results, and you could you could you know start to feel it change. And of course, we um, we stayed up by the skin of our teeth, really, um, and then obviously moved on to the to the second year. Mm. Yeah, have you got any sort of like story going on going on with Brown? Um, have you got any sort of anecdotes about? Brownie in his time at City at all? Um, obviously, Brownie was always a fun character, wasn't he? He always used to like taking the lads, um, you know, out for meals and stuff like that. I remember once, I'm not sure if it was the first or second year, we went out for a race day to Aintree and uh, we got all the lads together. We had like hospitality tables and stuff and um, just a great team bonding um, experience, really. And I remember him, you know, the way he dresses, really, you know, smart and he had this lovely um, hat on he, he wore to the races and I think we were sat around didn't wear, his pink, didn't wear his pink cardigan did he <laughs> he might have done I can't remember but he had, he had this lovely sort of racing hat that he I'm sure he'd had for years and he left it on the table while um, he, he went off to the toilet or done something so so uh, one of the lads found a pen and we all signed his hat we all signed our signatures on his hat and he come mm-hmm. back and, uh, um, he, he was he was fairly pleased with the banter I think um but like, yeah, no, he, he was um, he was a quirky character. I think um, that really sort of suited the group of lads that we had at the time, and and uh, really put us in a good place to go on and be successful. Yeah, um, 
similar to that, other quirky characters, uh, Dean Windass. Um, have you got anything like similar about him as well? <laughs> yeah. um, trying to think. I imagine uh, you will. Really, he was. He was. He, I have to say, Dino was a great character to come in. Someone of his experience and what's he? A, a local lad as well. Um, the signing of him in, in at the time was, you know, perfect. Really, um, he brought so much, not just out on the pitch, his experience, but um, you know, he's he's um, just general banter and, and everything else that goes with him in the dressing room. He, he sort of got everyone together and stuff and everyone took the mickey out of him and he tried to take the mickey out of a few others. Um, but he, he's just a great character, Dino. Um, great lad to have around. It's it's Because obviously, I think the one of the biggest mem- the things about that squad and, and, and that period of time was you could tell the dressing room was full of sort of those characters. Um, I think Nick Barnby as well was... Um, I mean, it, actually, as, as we're talking about Nick Barnby, what was it like coming to a club that already had Nick Barnby? Because obviously, it, it it was a huge signing at League One level for us when he came in, um, and obviously helped steer us back into the championship. Was a huge part mm. of that. Um, so, it was coming to a club and then seeing someone like Nick Barnby in the dressing room is that obviously something that you're like, oh wow, my career's really gone to the next stage, kind of thing? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, you know, as a player, when when you're on the verge of, of going to a club, you always look at the list of players that are at that club if you don't know who they are already, of course. Um, and, and Barnes is certainly one I looked at and thought, wow, like, you know, really excited to play with someone like that. Like I said before, I was a Spurs fan, so I remember going to yeah. Tottenham games when I was a young lad and watching, like, a young Nick Barnby when he was, like, 18 with his with his bowl haircut bouncing around. Yeah. Um, I remember them days. Um, and they were great memories for me as a, as a young Tottenham fan. Um, and I, I followed Barnes's career, um, you know, throughout the time at some great clubs. Obviously, it was a played a big part of England at times as well. So um, yeah, so when I when I went to Hull and knew Barnes was there, couldn't wait to to experience players of that caliber really. Um, and, he, and he didn't disappoint. He was he was an absolute top class pro um, in everything he'd done, and he was um, you know a, an example to all the younger players there to conduct yourself on and off the pitch and he was certainly one that um the promotion season he, he played uh, you know a fundamental role in um in the way you know we done it mm. i was going to ask you yeah i was, I was going to ask you about uh, a certain somebody else but i think we'll leave it for when we progress to that stage of your career because obviously he's not joined by this point um <laughs> but I, I will ask you about um Obviously, because the first season being quite difficult, we flirted with relegation, ended up staying up um, under Brownie and, you know, sending leads down, which was always nice. Um, but then the next season, obviously, it comes into the championship. Um, we asked Brownie this question and he said that promotion was always the aim. From the beginning of the season, he had his sights set on promotion. So was that true? Was that so from, from the beginning of the year 7-8 season, did you guys, you know, really go into training that season thinking, yeah, we're, we're, we're battling for the, for the big ends this season? Um, I'm not sure really. I think after the year before where we just stayed up, you know, it gives you a sort of um, a fresh sort of optimism, I suppose, in how you sort of go into the next season. And I think from the point of, you know, the players that come through the door in that in the, in that summer, uh, I think it showed where the club um, sort of wanted to go. Um, lots of, you know, Caleb Folan came in, Fraser Campbell, them sort of players that come in. Uh, with Garcia and, and Brownie, um, I felt that you know, in the dressing room, I think we did feel that you know we could build something here, um, and I think um, you know, obviously we certainly did, and and 
Um, actually, at the start of that season, I, I, again, I was dropped from the first game of the season. I remember um, we had a League Cup game in the second game. That's when me and Wayne Brown played together for the first time and, and played well. And it sort of went from that game, really. But um, no, it was, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say we sort of fancied ourselves for promotion. We uh, just wanted to get off to a good start. Yeah, we've got um, we've got a comment from uh, a viewer, which kind of leads on to um, the answer in that season. Pop it up. If it wants to come on. Yeah. It's not coming on. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so Chris Wright says, at, at what point during the second season did you feel that you were genuine contenders for uh, the Premier League? So was there, was there a defining moment where you guys in the changing room were like, do you know what? No, this is it. This is our year. I wouldn't say so. No, I couldn't really pinpoint an exact time where we thought we've got a chance here. Not until really... You know, the, the, towards the end of the season, I think where we was maybe trying to push for even for the top two, um, I think we felt you know we, we might have half a chance here. But I wouldn't say definitely not not even halfway through the season. I'd say I think it was just you know as momentum was gaining throughout the season, you know slowly, slowly we started believing that something special could happen. Um, and then we, I think going into the last game, we still had a chance of going up. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Ipswich game, yeah, wasn't it? I remember. Sort of missing out on that and being on the bus on the way back, and I think, I think Phil Brand stopped and we went for a few beers in like this little pub somewhere, and um, yeah, just just getting the lads together and saying, you know, we're in the playoffs and we've got a great opportunity to do something special as a group and, a, and as a club and make history, um, and and you know from from then really, I think uh, we're all we're all prepared and all ready for the playoffs and and all couldn't wait to sort of get stuck into it. Mm. Yeah, um, one of the players who joined like that, going back to, I'm going to keep going back to the other players, but I was wondering about JJ Kotcher and what was he like to be around? So obviously, going back to the Bambi thing, obviously, it was great being around a player, someone like JJ Kotcher, one of the most best players of his era. What was it like playing with him? Yeah, again, when, when JJ came in, there was, there was rumours about him coming and then obviously all of a sudden he was there. Um, I remember we played, I think, Blackpool away. It might have been a Sky game, actually. And he was sat in the stand watching. Um, yeah. Just, um, so, yeah, to, you know, to start training um, and playing with someone like that is, you know, incredible for someone like myself who who have um, only sort of come from League 2, League 1 and, and now in the Championship and playing alongside players like Barnes and JJ. Uh, it was just great for, for everyone. Um, certainly when players like that come through the door, um, you want to step up and, and, you know, really sort of set a standard, you know, to, to show them that you, you can play at a level, really. Um, and I think that helps the whole club and helps everyone progress and, and go in the right direction. And he certainly was, was someone everyone wanted to sort of impress and, and, and try harder for, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but going on to the playoffs, um, particularly the Wembley, describe the day as a whole, how, how you felt and what, how you... How it went for yourself? I mean, obviously it went well, but <laughs> how would you? How was how was that day for you personally? Um, of course, it was without doubt the best best day of my footballing career. Looking back now, now I've retired, it certainly was a day that I, you know, tend to look back on with fond memories, of course, and 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 puts me in a happy place every time I think about it. Um, obviously, the semi-finals went to plan. Um, we played well in both games and got through. 
and then I think we had like a ten day period from that second leg till till the final. So um, I think we had a few days off and then back in training. And I remember the manager taking us down to somewhere North London way in a spa and we had spa treatments and just the way the manager and the, and the staff um, set, set about things leading up to that final really had everyone in a good place. Um, yeah. Of course, a lot of us, it was a first time playing at Wembley. Um, we all knew it was um, a massive game in terms of, um, you know, financially for the club. Um, you know, they say it's the biggest game in, you know, in world football. So we knew all of that. And I think, um, uh, me certainly, um, I sort of try to cut myself away from, I know there's um, media stuff to do and that, which obviously you, you do it. And then, um, of course, getting close to the game, you just sort of, you know, stand. So I think it was all about um, just doing what we'd been doing throughout the whole season. Um, um, and, and that's what I'd done personally. Um, going into the game, I don't think I was any more nervous than I was any other game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it was just more excitement, I suppose. We, we was all excited about going to Wembley and playing in this huge game and, and then obviously trying to get to the Premier League. Yeah, it was, was someday. I think, because I don't was, actually there think... Is, there, that... is a, there is a moment yeah. I remember from the match that you... It was a block you did, I think it was from... Was it Trundle, about five minutes from the end? Mm. It was one of the... I don't, I'm saying this in front of you. It sounds like I'm just blowing... Fanboy. Hero, but, yeah, it was one of the best bits of defending... I remember watching it at Old City. Easy. It was fantastic blocking. And it's one of the key moments I always remember when I had watching that game back. Yeah, because we didn't we didn't actually play certainly well in that game, I don't think. We we, we kind of we got one yeah. nil in front and then the second half was more of a Bristol threw everything at us. But the the, the defensive display from all of it, I mean, I think even Ricketts did a couple of um insane yeah. Literally throwing his body on the line, kind of blocks. It was just the the, the heart and the, the the effort and the endeavor that you lads put in on that day was just absolutely phenomenal. It really was. Yeah, we throughout the season we we prided ourselves on clean sheets as a as a whole team. Really, I think um, that was something that we always try to achieve. And and in that game, I think the first goal was always going to be crucial. Um, of course, we got it going into half time, and. And to be honest, I completely forgot. I listened a bit to uh, Phil Brand's podcast he done with you guys and said about Wayne Brown, how he, he had an injury again mm. in the second half. Completely forgot about that, to be honest. Um, and I, I've watched the game back a few times over the years since. And we were like, you know, as a team, we were really, really deep, defending really yeah. deep, which is not ideal, really. You want to you want to try and stay as high as you can on the pitch. But um, as the game wore on, we got deeper and deeper. And we was, you know, more and more tired and fatigued. Um, I think you know last ditch blocks and tackles for me is what I sort of pride myself on in in, in games and stuff. I, I, as a defender, you know it's sort of a goal for me really, like making blocks like that. Yeah. Um, and and the whole team had that mentality. So um, yeah, I think you know we we done what we did all season in terms of being resilient and and sticking together. Uh, but I think you know we was out on our legs really. I think if they'd have equalised and then dying moments it would have been Apple's struggle in, in extra time for sure yeah mm. do you have any like um, is there any extra stories from that day was there anything like at celebrations wise change of room afterwards what is there anything that maybe the that you'd, you'd like to tell us as, as fans as a little snippet uh, I wouldn't really say there's anything out of the ordinary to be fair we, we stayed at the Grove Hotel which was like it was over an hour away actually it was quite a long way to travel before the game so I think um 
but it was a, obviously top-class hotel we stayed in. Then uh, after the game, the plan was always to go back to the hotel and have a party, regardless if we, if we won or lost. Um, we was going to celebrate a season, and obviously we all wanted it to be a, you know, as, as a Premier League team, and it, of course it was. So he was back to the hotel, literally, yeah, just boozing, partying all night, really. Um, there was, I can't remember any sort of mad stories that would, would um, entertain you. It was just literally um, a group with their families, everyone at the club celebrating, um, you know, an absolutely phenomenal achievement. Oh, I thought there might have been a Dean Windass dancing on the reception desk or something like that and <laughs> <laughs> in a drunk state or something. Uh, but we'll obviously, so obviously next season, uh, we're moving on to the Premier League. Um, uh, the start of that season was 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 absolutely brilliant. Uh, we ended up top of the league, obviously, when I think after we beat, was it West Brom away 3-0? Uh, we went top for yeah. quite a bit. Uh, so what, what was that like in, in the changing room as a player? So obviously you were a championship side last season. Uh, and then all of a sudden you find yourself at the top of the Premier League after a few games, big wins at places like Arsenal and Tottenham, uh, West Brom, uh, draws at Anfield, places like that. What, what, what is that like as a player? Yeah, for me, um, going into that, I didn't know if I could play in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? I'd only played um, League One Championship, really. So going into that season, um, was still, you know, the unanswered, really. I didn't know whether I could Kaya at that level. Um, so, so when we had obviously the first win was was massive for us. I think we um, was on a sort of crest of a wave, really, in terms of the way we got promotion. And we had a short break, so we was back in before we knew it. Had a good pre-season, and obviously everyone was excited about the Premier League. And we had players who'd been there and done it. We brought in players of, of experience as well. So um, we felt that we, we had a good chance. And um, yeah, I think the start was obviously key. Winning that first game against Fulham after being a goal down was a was a great result. Um, and then getting a good draw away at Blackburn, them them two results put us in a place where we could go on and and sort of show no fear um, against teams like Arsenal and Spurs and West Ham and Man United. Do you know what I mean? It was um, it, it was just a great time um, for me. Um, Love playing in the Premier League with with whole City and um, obviously that whole season was great. I know we we, we just about stayed up, but I mean. What a, what a place it was to be. The KC was rocking. The fans were, were loving life, and, and and so were the players. And it was um, it was, it was great all round. Yeah, because you actually uh, you, only you and Sylvan Distan played every single minute of that season um, in the Premier League uh, out of the entire league, uh, which I think is a testament to to how well you were that season. Obviously, you won Player of the Season as well. Um, Second year. Yeah, for the second year in a row, um, you know, casually just, you know, being voted player of the season. Um, but obviously, like you say, when staying up on the final day, um, obviously we, we we sort of hit, after such a good start, we kind of fell off a cliff form-wise. And um, But I think, you know, given the, given the time that that was and that, you know, it was the first ever Premier League season and, and, and spirits were actually still high in that in the stands. And, and when we played that final game against Man United and we stayed up, uh, that that belief never really wavered. Uh, was that something that you felt uh, like? Did you believe you you deserved to stay up that season as as a team? Yeah, I, I think we did. Um, I think we we showed enough. Um, certainly, early part of the season, we we opened people's eyes really to to what we're all about, and um, I think we shocked a hell of a lot of people. Um, as the season wore on, um, again we got into a bit of bit of a spiral and. and and results were failing to go our way and it got tough towards the end. But we dug in. I remember a great, um, was it a draw we had away at Bolton? I think Fake scored, didn't they? And, yeah, um, the 1-1 draw. That was a massive result. And then obviously going away to Fulham and beating them 1-0 was a 
was um, was probably what kept us up in the end. Um, and then obviously going into the last game, you always want it to be in your own hands, which it was. We knew we was playing Man United, and we knew that they'd going to play a weakened team because they had Champions League a few days later. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it's always going to be a tough game. Um, and it was a bit of a dead rubber that game. I remember it being pretty slow, a bit of an end of season feel to it. We couldn't really get going. They were they were pretty casual. They went one nil up, and and the game was pretty dead after that. And you know, us as players and fans, obviously the fans were looking for um, for Villa to do us a favour, which they did, and. Um, it was a great achievement at the end of it um, to look back on. Definitely. Um, what would you say of all the, of those games you played for us in the Premier League? What was probably your favourite particular fixture? Uh, it'd have to be like the Arsenal away game. Um, oh, you'd say that one. The obvious answer, but the, probably the correct one. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I don't know because it was like an early early evening kickoff, wasn't it? On, was it on Sky or it was on tele, tele anyway? Um, I think it was on Satanta Sports or something. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, so it's the first time that I'd ever played in like that sort of time, half five, which was very odd. Um, so it was uh, it's totally different. Going to the Emirates for me was one of my favourite stadiums to play at. You know, immaculate stadium. The pitch pitch at Arsenal was always always the best, really. Um, so yeah, to experience that and again come away with that result um, on that sort of summer's night was was a you know a unbelievable experience. And for me, being a Spurs fan, even even more so. <laughs> so um, and, and of course, going to Tottenham actually soon after that and, and winning there on a Sunday, uh, Giovanni's you know world class free kick again. That's another great memory of mine. Um, playing at White Hart Lane now, obviously, of course, the stadium's long gone. No, I count myself very lucky to be able to have played there yeah. and, and what I won there, of course. Um, and we just, it's just a great time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, on Giovanni briefly, is there any sort of stories you've got about him as well? Because he's obviously a well-loved City player, but I feel like he's a bit of a mysterious City player as well because we don't know much about him, really. Yeah, no, he, he was a very quiet guy. Kept himself to himself. I remember he, um, he lived in Manchester where he played for us and he used to have a driver drive him so I think he literally slept in the back of his car on the way way to training because <laughs> he must have left obviously crack of dawn to get there um, but no Gio was a you know a lovely guy I didn't speak much English so it's difficult to sort of build up any sort of rapport with him but he's um he's you know the stuff he'd done out on the pitch was was there for all to see um, I remember one actually quite a funny story we went on a team building this was towards the end when we were struggling actually when um, clay pigeon shooting of course he don't speak english and geo stood up there with a gun waiting to shoot and this guy's giving him information saying like when you're ready um for us to fire the clay shout paul um, then i'll fire the clay and you can you can shoot away of course geo didn't understand a word this fellow was saying um, and literally stood there for like two minutes probably um, the guy's waiting for him to say Paul, and like, nothing was happening. Do you know what I mean? It's just a funny moment. But um, yeah, Gio was, um, a, you know, a, a, a superb player. And, you know, he's coming from from Man City and, and had played for Barcelona. I mean, what an opportunity for the lads to play with, and, and obviously, it was a massive help for us during the season. Yeah, he was some player, was Gio. Some of that 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 goal against Arsenal. Who would you say was the hardest opponent you faced in the Premier League? And is it Cristiano Ronaldo? Um, <laughs> No, I wouldn't say Ronaldo because I played, oh, played the Old Trafford game, didn't I? When we lost four um, three, he was he played yeah. one wing. I never really come up at, uh, against him too much. I think Dawes probably um, had more of an issue with him than I did. But um, I remember there's only one time um, the ball got played out wide, and I had to come across, and he had me one on one. 
and um, did think to myself, well, here we go. But he, he tried to cross it and luckily he just hit me and went out for a corner. So that was the only real moment I can remember being up against him. Um, but again, uh, great to share a pitch with someone like that and what he's, what he's done in his career. Yeah. Who would you say Who is was... the hardest you faced then? Um, that season, um, I'm trying to think, probably Heskey in that, was it like the third game at home? Heskey caused me a lot of problems, actually. Um, mm. Physical. Again, Heskey's someone who... Very I physical, yeah. I remember watching him at, um, at Leicester, um, you know, a brute of a player, and he was he was a powerful boy, really good in the air. Um, and, and obviously, I'd, we, we, we got spanked that game, didn't we? 5-0, and he, he, was, um, mm. he, was, he was a tough opponent that day. He's definitely a much better player than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah, definitely. He, he certainly got a lot of stick, but he was he was top draw, he was top class, especially in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the second season didn't go entirely to plan. Um, obviously, we ended up, um, Brownie ended up on gardening leave and we ended up with Ian Dowie and got really get to the championship and whatnot. But um, the, the previous two seasons, obviously, had been so good uh, and probably like the season that we first got promoted to the Premier League and then our first ever Premier League season. Like we said earlier, you won player of the season four in both seasons. How much of like that of an accolade does it really mean to a player to win the official player of the season? Is it something that you really obviously um, sort of, I don't know, cherish when you look back at your career? Yeah, at the time, it's obviously a great moment. Um, you know, you, you're proud to, to have won, you know, player of the year and, and whatever. Um, but it's only when really you retire. For me, I've retired, been retired over three years now. And looking back on on the achievements, um, certainly with Hull, really, because Hull was like three years at Hull and they were, with, you know, without doubt, the best three years I had in my career, looking back at the success and, and the good, just the good time we had, really, as, as a group of players. Um, so to look back on certainly them two seasons, you just said the, the promotion season and the Premier League season, for me to get player of the year in both of them, um, you know, I, I sit and watch, watch games on the telly nowadays and watch Premier League teams and to think that, you know, I played every minute of that of that Premier League season and, and got player of the year was was is mind blowing really. And um, you know, football can be tough for players when they finish mentally to you know, to, to go on because you I, I retired at thirty five, a lot of players do. So you know, to carry on in life to go and do something different is Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so um, for me, like looking looking at them achievements, um, it's saying that really, um, you know, I look back and, and I'm proud of myself and, and proud of what we've done um, at the club and what we've done for the fans in the city. Really, um, it, it definitely helps helps mentally to go forward with them with them memories. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, because you had a very successful Hull City career, and you're obviously part of the famous the famous two teams that that got up and stayed up in the Premier League, but then. Um, there was obviously the, the the infamous transfer from us to Sunderland. Um, I think there was a lot of because there's a lot of contrasting reports from this. Um, so obviously Brownie was saying that the offers we were getting were were uh, ludicrous. Uh, that they were basically we had to accept it kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and then it turned out that it as it wasn't actually probably as much as he was suggesting. Um, what 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 were you willing of? Like, well, what are you willing to tell us in that in that sense? Did you want to stay, or was it a move that kind of you felt was forced upon you? Um, well, throughout that summer after the first after the season in the Premier League, I was I was linked to a few clubs, um, 
And as a player, that's obviously that's quite exciting, of course. So, you know, when you're linked to big clubs, I remember sort of Liverpool, Man City being mentioned. And actually, um, Liverpool were the ones, I think, that showed quite a keen interest. And, you know, when a club like that sort of shows interest, then, of course, your head's going to be turned. And, and, and mine certainly was. I thought at one point I was going to join Liverpool. Um, but that, that didn't happen. Um, and then, obviously, I had a choice between, I think, Sunderland. And I think it might have Stoke were interested as well. So... Um, the probably disappointing thing really was Hull never really offered me a new contract, which probably deserved. Well, I'd come in the January. Um, there was obviously talk about you know he was on lots of money and, and stuff, and certainly on more than any other player was in on the squad. So um, I think that's my slight disappointment. I've never really offered a new contract at Hull to try and entice me to stay. It literally was um, something ended up agreeing a fee. Um, and it, it was sort of over to me, really, whether one to go. And of course, it, it was still a tough decision to leave. Um, but I felt at the time, Sunderland were, a, you know, a bigger club, um, and, and obviously probably more chance of establishing themselves in the Premier League. So that was that was my decision, really. But yeah, mm. looking back, um, do I wish I'd stay? Probably not. I think the time was probably right for me to move on. But like I said, if the club would have made me an offer, then I certainly would have would have considered it. Mm. Yeah, it's strange that they didn't. Uh, well, in in it. hindsight, you did leave on a high, I suppose, as well, with what yeah. happened following. To yeah. Be fair. yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, um, it, obviously, it's disappointing to see see the club get relegated that that you know second year in the Prem. Um, so it, it, obviously, it's a tough time. But like you say, I probably probably left at the right time for myself, and you know what I'd done in those two years previous. Mm. Uh, we've got another um, viewer question. This is an interesting one, actually. Uh, so. Obviously, uh, do you think we would have stayed up if Brownie had stayed to the end of the season? Do you think he probably should have stayed from a player's perspective or was um, it a gamble worth was, taking? Yeah, of course I wasn't there at the time. Um, but looking at it from the outside and, and obviously still had some friends at the club that I spoke to, um, if, yeah, I'd, I'd say put had more of a chance with, with him in charge. Mm-hmm. Especially looking back on the on the way we, we survived the, the previous year, I think um, yeah, he knew the whole setup, he knew the players. I'm sure if he'd have um, stuck around, then we'd have had more of a chance to stand up than we, than the club did in the end. Yeah, it was such a strange. It was all, it was almost like a resigning themselves to going down kind of decision. It was, it was very strange. I mean, yeah, it was a panic decision. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like I'd have been happy to have seen Brownie stay to the end of the season. I think pretty much the vast majority of the City fan base yeah. would have done because you know the guy got us up there, kept us up there. He had the chance to to try and salvage something towards the end of that season. But yeah. like you say, when, when you take that that out of his hands kind of thing and, 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 you know, not necessarily make an improvement in that uh, appointing a, a, a replacement. Then to me, it was just like, yeah, well, we're going down. So yeah. let's just get the, the thing started. It was quite disappointing. Uh, but obviously then back onto you, you've moved to Sunderland and then obviously <laughs> your first game for Sunderland was against us. What's that like as a player? Oh, that, that was horrible. I remember, <laughs> of course I was, I was staying in a hotel um, and, I remember because we after the, my last game for for Hull, we had the international weekend the following week, so there's no game the following week. So I obviously signed a few days after my last game for Hull, and then had a break, and then the game was the following Saturday. And I remember, yeah, I remember being extremely nervous going into that game. Obviously, was, you know, couldn't have gone anywhere. You know, the last team I wanted to play against would have been would have been Hull City, of course. Um, so yeah, I remember being dead nervous going into it. Um, but obviously being my home debut as well, obviously it's a proud moment for me to, to represent a new club in Sunderland, which, were, like I said, was a big club. Um, 
so yeah, so it was it was a tough one to to go into. I see knew all the lads and stuff, so it was a uh, it was difficult to play and but come away with a good result for myself. Obviously, not so much for for you guys. Yeah, so, yeah and yeah. then you scored, didn't you as well? But then it was taken off. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I thought I scored. Even yeah, Zayati. Yeah, which you know, in in hindsight, it's probably I was probably quite pleased actually that it was it's gone back. <laughs> I hadn't scored against my. Don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was gutted. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can only imagine how weird it is for a player because I don't think it's very often that your debut is literally against the team you just left. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's odd when it happens that, and I can imagine so that, soon after as well. Yeah, like you, you emotionally, it must be so bizarre because obviously you've just left somewhere you've been quite comfortable for three years to a new club yeah. where it's all brand new. And then your opponents are the people that you were with a few weeks prior. That like they're walking into the away dressing room and you're sort of passing them going to the home. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, it certainly is. I weird. remember sort of my mind just going mad, thinking, you know, that they know what they know what I can and can't do as a player. You know, it's like your mind just goes goes mental, and you're playing against some of your mates who, you, you, like you said, like you've been playing with for a couple of years, and it's uh, it was a difficult one all around, really. And I was I was, I was really happy that that sort of game come and went quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's better to get it over and done with quicker, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that I know there were rumours at the time. I think it was in two thousand and eight about, and I think it was mainly Dean Man who said it at the time, if I remember correctly, about saying that you deserved an England cap. Um, what are your thoughts on? Did you ever feel that perhaps you deserved a chance at any time around then? Or um, that was probably. During the time where we were flying higher, I suppose in the start, it was season, yeah. Um, there, there was obviously a few rumours going around, um, but no, not particularly. I had a spell at um, Sunderland for the second year. Actually, I was um, I was in like provisional squad for England, so of course they mm. named the provisional squad um, before they named the main squad, and I was in that a couple of times. Um, never quite got in, and um, I got quite a bad knee injury after. After one of the times I just failed to get in, um, the following game I'd done my knee and I was out for four or five months after that. So from that moment, um, didn't get anywhere near it. But I was in a couple of provisional squads, which was just quite a proud moment to just even be in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, I think it was Dean Marnie, wasn't it, that, that came out in the press saying that you, you, you should have been in the England squad. I think I remember it. Yeah, he'd be mate, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, after you was obviously so after Sunderland, you went to Norwich and you was you spent some time at Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, and I think you went obviously you ended your career at Southend. Mm-hmm. Um, what what so what obviously going to end your career? Um, sort of, is there any moments in that period as well that you think of fondly as well? Um, yeah, no. Uh, to be fair, from from my second year at Sunderland, uh, like I said, when I got the bad knee injury. Um, from that point, that's when injuries really started kicking in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, up until that point, my three years at Hull, two years at Brentford, I, th- I can't even think of an injury that I had. I didn't miss a game for an injury. I might have had a little niggle, no. but not one game did I not play because of an injury. And then all of a sudden, I had a bad knee injury, which ruled me out for five months. And then when I come back from that, I wasn't wasn't quite the same player, probably for about a year, really. Um, and then got um, on the back of it, got a good move to Norwich, who were in the Premier League themselves. Um, and a two two good years at, at Norwich, actually in the Premier League. We got relegated in the second year, um, and, I, and I tore my hamstring in that season as well. Um, so um, ended up new manager came in after that, and 
and sort of fell out of favour and, and, and moved on after. I was there five years in total, but only played really sort of two and a half. Um, and then a couple of good loan moves. Fulham was, was, was a nice move, actually. Being playing in London for a great club like Fulham was was really good. And then I had a year yeah. Wednesday, again, picked up a, another bad uh, knee injury that ruled me out for a good few months. And that didn't go so well. So I think it's just, um, obviously, a lot of players experienced you know the injuries and, and as you get older it, it gets harder and harder to get over and, and things start spiraling really like the hamstring would go groins would go and it's not one thing after another it's not nice and especially you know with the time at the whole where I, I played every game and and um you know no injuries at all it's, it's difficult as you get older and, and these things start kicking in and you know you sort of realize your career's come to an end mm. what are you up to sort of now since you retired anywhere um, yeah, so I do some work. I still in football a little bit with uh, with an agent, um, bit of sort of mentoring role really for a few of the younger players that this company has got. Um, so I do that on and off, and then um, do a bit of property stuff as well, property developing uh, with a with a um, close friend of mine. So um, bits and pieces really, just trying to sort of stay busy and yeah. uh, like I say, f- football can be tough to finish at thirty five and, and go into a new career and and a new life. So it's. Um, you know, it's just just trying to sort of stay focused on something and and go forward. Have you ever been tempted to go into management? Was that ever a, a possible coach, a, a route for you to get your badges? And yeah, no, I, I get asked this question a lot actually, and and for me, it never really was. I never a lot of players, of course, do their badges early on in their career, or certainly when their career is coming to an end, they do their badges so they're they're ready to go once they've retired. Um, for me, I never really see myself as a coach and. And, and coaching players, so I never really got around to doing my badges. Maybe should have done, but I never. Um, so yeah, so like I say, yeah, it, it just wasn't for me coaching. And um, you know, some players you play with, you, you you can see straight away that they're they're made for coaching and they're made to be a manager. But for me, as you know, my character and the way I was, I, I don't think that that was really me. Obviously, you dabbled in a bit of uh, commentary as well, didn't you? You came on and did a, a couple of city games with Fletcher and everybody, and uh, yeah, you you you're you quite a hit. Uh, on your commentary so is that something that you could potentially maybe end up as a Sky Sports uh, <laughs> on a soccer, soccer Saturday no I'm not sure about that to be fair I, that was the first real time I've done any sort of commentary co-commentary um, and yeah it's great doing it with Fletch Fletch is obviously really good at it and um, just sort of worked alongside him and that was during the season in League One where the team got a promotion and um, I think every game I've done the team won away like obviously a little seven games the team won every game apart up. from yeah, so apart from the um, the last game, which was um, Charlton away, which the team was already promote, promoted, so didn't mean much. But um, yeah, I loved it, to be fair. And um, the, I don't know what happened the following year. I didn't get a phone call to come and do it no more. <laughs> 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 uh, I think that's pretty much covered everything that we're doing. But we'll, what we're going to do now is we'll ask a couple of questions that basically like take all of your career into like account so we're going to do like sort yeah. of um you know favorites and, and all-time 11 kind of things like that yeah. so um i know you're on a whole city podcast but what was your what was the favorite club that you played for in your career oh whole city about that yeah um, <laughs> now are you saying that because you're on this podcast or no 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 so just because of the success we had the team spirit we had and you know where the club was at the time making history um player final Without doubt, it was, it was uh, it, it, like I've said before, it was the greatest time of my career, certainly. Mm. And then who was the, given it every single team you've played for, who was the best player? I mean, this could be from ability or just in terms of you enjoyed playing with, but who was the best player you, you played alongside? 
um, as a centre half, I played it with. Um, I have to say Wayne Brown actually was a good player for me. Like during that time, we we got a great understanding and a great partnership going. Um, went to Sunderland, played with some really good centre halves. Played with um, a Ghanaian guy called John Mensah. Was um, he was mm. a, he was a mm. great player. Um, riddled with injuries himself, um, so he didn't play much. But when he did play, he was he was solid. And Titus Bramble as well. Actually, he played with Titus uh, a lot at Sunderland, and we got a good partnership going. Um, before that got broken up for whatever reason. Um, so in terms of being a centre back and playing alongside someone, it, it, yeah, I'd, I'd say Titus really. Mm. And did you have a, a what? What was your favourite game of your career that you played in? I feel like um, this could be two or three. Yeah, uh, well, it would have been for Hull without a doubt the player final, I have to say. But in terms of like performance, like you said before, it wasn't a great team performance really. Obviously, a great goal um, and a great day, but. Um, Probably Arsenal, Arsenal Spurs away. Really, then two games or the first game, Fulham, Fulham at home was um, was a great memory. Um, we all played well in that game, and um, being the first time we'd played in the Premier League was was a great day. Mm. Um, do you have? Uh, do you, I, 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 I think most players tend not to have a regret in the career. But is is there anything that you look back on and kind of have like, I wish I'd have done something differently there? Any of them moments? Um. No, not really. Um, just injuries, really. Injury, obviously, you can't do much about injuries, but or maybe you can with the way you. I don't know. Um, yeah, the injuries, really. I wouldn't say I really made any decisions that I regret. Um, like I say, um, maybe could I have stayed at Hull City? I'm not sure. Um, but looking back, I would have liked to. Have, I only really stayed at clubs for sort of three, four years. I would like to have mm-hmm. stayed at a club. For, you know, for like ten years, say, and um, if that would have been any club, that would have been would have been whole city. So that's really my only regret. I didn't probably stay longer. Mm. We'd love to, we'd love for you to have stayed longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have a Did you have a favourite manager that you played under? Um, I had a few managers that I enjoyed playing under. Like I said, uh, Martin Allen at um, Brentford was was great for me at the time because I was a young lad um, learning the game, and he helped me a lot. He played me in a lot of games where maybe I shouldn't have played. Um, um, so I'd say Martin Allen was, was the first one really uh, Phil Brown of course was um, was a massive help for me and then when um, Steve Bruce as well Steve Bruce was great at Sunderland I really enjoyed playing under uh, Chris Hewitt at Norwich was good um, so you know there's, there's a list there but um, then their managers were, were great for my career mm. uh, We've got a question related to Steve Bruce actually um, from Chris right it says when it pops up, it says when it comes around to it, what was it like playing under Hull legend Steve Bruce? Obviously, he wasn't a Hull legend by the time you were at Sunderland because uh, um, he'd yet to come to us. But uh, what was Brucey to play like? Uh, what what to play for? Yeah, uh, Brucey probably was uh, a big reason why I went to Sunderland. Uh, of course, the club, but him being an ex um, centre back, um, knowing the position, you know, after a tee, really, he was. Um, Again, when I was young, I remember watching Brucey play loads for for United and and being a great centre half. So he was certainly one who I was looking forward to playing under uh, when I went there. Yeah, he he was a good manager. I liked the way he um, he took the team. He wasn't hands on so much day to day in training, but when it comes to match day and stuff, like he he really got his point across to the to the team and the way he wanted us to do things, especially in in big games. I remember we played. Uh, Manchester United away at Old Trafford one time and just the way he had the team set up and now we sort of nullified any threat they had um, 
and just yeah, just little bits and pieces like that. And I, I liked his um, sort of man management skills, certainly with with myself and and uh, the way he done things generally. Mm. Uh, right, this one's a, this one's an interesting one because I think you've you played with a lot of very good players, uh, especially if, obviously from from us onwards in that Premier League era. Um, but I'm going to ask you, and it's going to might be a bit time consuming for you, but I'm going to ask you for your best eleven. So each position will go to, and then you say the like say it's your career dream team. They have to be players that you've played with uh, at the time you were at the club. So if you were to choose a goalkeeper, who would it be? Um... And I Boaz won't be happy, but I'd have to go for Craig Gordon. Uh, <laughs> Craig Gordon uh, was a very good keeper, to be fair. He was. Yeah, he's, he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, he's very good. I, mean, I think he's still going, isn't he? Like he's certainly um, showed some longevity there. But yeah, he, he was a great goalkeeper. Um, very big, very powerful, commanding, um, and it was, it was a safe pair of hands. Sort of, you know, as a centre back, someone like that behind you was uh, was great to have him. Uh, we'll, we'll tell Boaz when he comes on. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what what about right back then? Right back, uh, God. Um, try and think. <laughs> Played with uh, Phil Barsley at Sunderland was good. I put I put Sam Ricketts in. I think Sam Ricketts is my right back. Um, Sam obviously joined the club same time as me. Um, uh, so very very traditional, wasn't he as a fullback, Sam Ricketts? I think yeah. he's um is 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 you don't see much of his style of fullback anymore because obviously they're a lot more attacking. But Ricketts was for 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 what we what he did at our club. I just think he he was a very good player in defensively. Yeah, yeah, um, but he could get forward as well. To be fair to him, I remember him overlapping yeah, occasions and getting good crosses in. Um, he was a good player, good pro actually, Sam. He uh, he worked hard in training to to better himself all the time and. Um, obviously, he, he was a mainstay in in my period at the club as well. So to play alongside him a lot, um, I put Sam in there for me. Mm. And obviously, you're going to be in a centre back position. Who are you pairing yourself with? Uh, so, so, like I said before, probably Titus Bramble. I know Titus got a lot of stick actually through some of the mistakes he made, um, but he was solid. He was a good player. Um, he was good to play alongside. Um, helped me a lot in my time at Sunderland. Um, good character on and off the pitch and. Um, he was he was he was a good good player to play with. Yeah. Uh, left back. Left back. Uh, I'll say Kieran Mitchison uh, at Sunderland. He was um, probably wasn't really a natural left back. He was more of an attacking player, more mid, sort of wide midfield attacking sort of player. But uh, Steve Bruce played him left back, and I remember there was calls for him being in the England squad. I know he he did get um, he did play for England, but I'm not sure he was left back actually. But uh, he played for something quite a bit at left back while I was there, and he was he was a good player. Yeah, um, somewhere Andy Dawson's fuming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Dawson was, but you know, top class Dawson. Um, his delivery from set pieces. He was he was a solid player. He was, he was a great lad to have around as well, Dawson. And I see he's well liked in the in the squad. I think if Dawson was faster, I think he'd have gone. He wouldn't have been probably old city. from us. On, no, he wouldn't have been with us because his his tenacity and his work rate was phenomenal. And I think what summed him up, and I think is every city fan probably knows what I'm about to say, but that that time that Theo Walcott managed to nip him behind, and Dors somehow comes in from behind and sticks his left foot to the left side of him and still manages to tackle him. It was crazy. The best tackle of all city um, players yeah, was, maybe ever made. Yeah, he was. Such a great little player was Dors. Um, yeah, like I said, he was faster. Uh, he's, he he's, be with us. His set piece deliveries were, were first class as well. I remember uh, a few of the goals I scored actually 
come from his set piece deliveries. And I remember his um, his free kicks from outside the area. He scored a couple of great free kicks for us as well. So uh, mm. yeah, Dawson's a great player, and really, I probably should put Dawson in. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably yeah. I was going to say it's it's probably uh, it's probably more telling that your your highest goal tally was with us, and it's because. Like you say, it's probably because you had the likes of Dawson popping the ball in the box for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so if you wanted to be selfish and score goals while you're using this dream team. Um, <laughs> we'll go for a traditional 4-4-2 then. So what about a right midfielder? Oh, right midfielder. Oh, I'd have to say um, I'll play two good ones at um, Sunderland. Um, Ryan, uh, Ryan Sessignon, Stefan Sessignon. Um, yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, small but very agile. But we, but when I first went to Sunderland, I went to Steve Malbronk. And um, mm. Steve, he was a good player on his day. Yeah, played for Fulham and, and Tottenham, and then went to Sunderland. Um, and he was he was a magician on the ball. Like he really was good to good to play with. Um, nightmare to play against in training, but he was um, yeah, he, he'd be my right midfield player. Yeah, he, he had a few good games against us. Did Malbronk actually? I think he he usually score against us as well. He's one of those yeah. players that he could usually put on to score against us. Uh, what about your two centre midfielders then? Who are you sticking in the middle? Oh, again, like I feel I should be picking whole city players here because that's where I'm <laughs> going. I'm like pick Ash and Dean Marnie. Um, but when I went to Sunderland, Lee Catamol was in midfield there, and I remember um, he, he was um, he was a bit younger than me, Cats, and um, he was captain of the team, and um, he was just like a, a very good calming influence. Um, I, I remember that first game, going back to that whole game where I played my debut for Sunderland. I remember being on the pitch just before we kicked off, and him coming and saying to me, "Look." Um, just do what you've always done in your career. Just you know, defend and and do what you do best. And like, it's just real calm and sort of influence of, of sort of words of wisdom. Um, and yeah, going forward in, in my time at Sunderland, he was uh, he was a great player for the club and tenacious sort of midfield player. Got about the pitch and when he could get a team going, really by the way he sort of closed down. Um, if he you know shut players down and you felt like you know the rest of the team would sort of you know copy suit really and, and sort of. Hit, do what he does. Is that is that a Michael Turner exclusive that Catamol is better than Ian Ashby? Yeah, no, but well, <laughs> fair, Ash, Ash, what he done for um, he, he was great for me. Ash actually um, sitting in front of me, like the amount of times you know someone would try and play a ball through to the centre forward that I was marking, and Ash would always cut it out. Um, mm. Ash was he was a great character and a great captain, and, and a, you know a great central midfield player. I remember when I first came to the club, he was. Um, it would almost come like across as a bit of a bully ash the way he sort of, he would speak to you. I remember a couple of times I would I would clear the ball out for a corner, um, and literally he'd go mad at me saying, Oh, you should, you should be putting it out for a throw. And like I thought and I thought to myself, well, I thought that was a good clearance and he would like you know, <laughs> little things like that, which um but he he was top class as a captain and um he he was a great player, yeah. Yeah, I remember Leon Cart saying something similar, I think. Um yeah. that that they were a bit fearful of Ashby when you first come in. He was, he can be quite a Quite a mistrunchable so kind of thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so who did, who did you decide then, Marnie and um, Catamol? Um, no, I've not put Dean Marnie. Dean Marnie's a good mate of mine still, actually, and I, and um, he was a great player for us at Hull. Um, I've got Catamol in. I'm trying to think. Uh, should I put Dino in? Um, Bambi, maybe. But I'll put Barnes in centre midfield. Yeah, just because obviously he's a um, you know a player that I've always been fond of. Being a being a Tottenham fan, I put Barnes centre midfield. Yeah. Mm. Uh, left winger. Oh, left winger. Um, trying to think of left winger. Um, I was trying to think we, who was 
Yeah. Um, well, Giovanni there. Gio, yeah, Gio played left, didn't they? A few, quite a few. I'll put Gio there, yeah. yeah. Uh, little Brazilian, played for Barcelona, Man City, yeah. Yeah, I'll put Gio left wing. So, you know, some of the goals he scored in that in that Premier League season, of course, were, were outrageous, weren't they? So, um, they were. A little magician in there. What was he like in training, Gio? Yeah, like, in, you'd be surprised. I got the really. impression he was quite lazy. Yeah, yeah, he certainly was. Yeah, he, he didn't really do a great yeah. deal in training. He's one of those players... <laughs> You know, you find that in, in football, you get players that like, are not training players at all. They turn up on a Saturday and they produce, produce mm-hmm. you know, some outrageous football. But on uh, day-to-day and training, like, you wouldn't want them in your 5 team for sure. And Gio was probably <laughs> one of them, um, although he could produce something in training every now and then. But he's, he certainly wasn't. Um, uh, he, he was a man for the big occasion, I suppose, really, playing in, in, in the big games. Mm. Uh, then the uh, the I think this one could be quite difficult. Uh, you two strikers, yeah, two strikers. I say Darren Bent at Sunderland, yeah, Sunderland, and just a, an out and out goal scorer. Bentley um, wouldn't really um, wouldn't do a great deal for the team, really, apart from score goals, which sounds mad. But um, <laughs> some I remember a couple of games he scored early on in games, and I was thinking to myself during the game, like that could be the end of Bentley during this game. Do you know what I mean he's got his goal? No, he's done now. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much like that. But no, he was a good player. Um, you know, as, as a defender, um, to have someone in your in your team that scores goals is is gold dust. So to to have Bentley um, scoring goals for for you is, it was great. So Darren Bentley, then who's your other choice? Again, unless, this is really hard doing one to eleven. Uh, I could put Fraser Campbell in there easily. Uh, Fraser was great for us at Hull City, of course. What he'd done for us, um, played his part. And then I went to Sunderland, of course, he was there and, and, and done well there, actually. Fraser, um, I'm gonna have to stick Dean Windass in and I, I think, just simply because, um, what he'd done for the club in the first part of the season when he came in and helped us stay stay in the league, and then the second year played a key role in in the club obviously getting promotion and you know for, to score that goal in the, in a playoff final was just you know phenomenal scenes really and um you know it was, uh, it was great to have him um on and off the pitch and what he'd done for the club was was you know amazing really yeah i mean dino was one of them one where i don't think there's many of his style of striker left anymore um, no. is there any it so, was just so no i don't think there is that that bullish traditional I don't know. He just the way he approached the character, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's and the way it would consistently deliver goal scoring, no matter what club he was at. Like yeah. when he was at Bradford before coming to us, he, he was phenomenal in League One, and then when he's when he's approaching like you know his late thirties, going to forty years old, and he's scoring double figures in the Championship, yeah, um, and making it into the Premier League. I think that's just testament to how good a player he really was. Because like he said, maybe his legs were going more towards the end, and he probably only scored at Wembley because he were out of breath, but. You know, he were there and he did it. <laughs> what a goal it was! But it, it, for his career, like he was just—he's a bit like Billy Sharp, isn't he? Where he's just been consistently a great goal scorer throughout his whole career. He's not really had a season where it's been off, but yeah, he was phenomenal. And yeah, I think, I, I think you know, for him to be 39 in that player final and score that goal, I think like I'm not even 39 myself, believe it or not. And for <laughs> him to you know still be going strong at that age and playing in the player final, and then obviously managed to get a couple of appearances in the Premier League as well, um, was testament to you know, the character he was. I think um that goal really in the player final summed him up because that technique of that volley, we see that a lot in training um mm. throughout, you know, 
you know, the period he was around. And um, he, he had he had a great technique like that, um, volleys and, and the way he finished the ball into the net was um, was top class. And um, yeah, he um, he certainly added something to us at the time when he came into the club and took us, helped us go to the next level. Mm. Yeah, I think the I think I'd have wished to have seen more of Dino in the Premier League. Um, I, I, obviously, in terms of the team, maybe you, you know Marlon King was was very good at the beginning after that season, and um, obviously Giovanni Fagan could play there, etc. And maybe Dino didn't have the the necessary um, physical prowess to be competing at that level with some of them defenders. But I, I would love to yeah. have seen him play a bit more in that first season. Yeah, it's, it's know-how, isn't it? I think um, having that experience, I think he, he scored away at Portsmouth, didn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And like, like where, you know, wherever old he is and, you know, however slow he is, I'm sure he's always a threat when he's on the pitch because, like I say, his technique, if he gets a chance, then, you know, nine times out of ten, he's going to put it in the goal. So, um, yeah, it's a shame he never played more, but I suppose that 39 coming into his 40s is a, is a tough ask. Mm. Uh, so for before we end it then I've got a couple of questions that I think needs to be asked for any player that played under Brownie at that time so one uh, what was going through your head <laughs> when he did the uh, the infamous on the pitch team talk at Man City uh, again it's another question I get asked a lot actually um, I can at imagine. the time we was, was obviously 4-0 down at half time and we was all in a bit of a daze really after the way the first half had gone walking off the pitch and then um, him walking past me and, and sort of saying, come on, we're, we're sitting on the pitch. Um, didn't think too much of it at the time, actually. Um, it's just one of those things, just got on with it. It's only really afterwards where we sort of look back and think that was pretty poor, um, you know, the way he'd done it. I think he was just, of course, that, that day was Boxing Day. And I, I remember him giving us Christmas Day off and I think that was sort of in the back of his mind that probably shouldn't have given us Christmas Day off and maybe... Um, we probably didn't look after ourselves, maybe as much as we should have done. But but saying that, we come come up against the, you know, some world class players and a great team in Man City, and um, I, I felt it was um, unjust really because of the way the, the start of the season had gone, how well we'd done, and the results and the performances we put in. Um, you know, that was really our first bad performance, our bad, uh, first bad half that we'd played, and, and you know, sort of to be treated like that was was a bit of a blow to everyone and, and it was spoken about a lot, you know, by the lads and I don't think it was um, the start of the sort of downfall, but it certainly, I wouldn't say it helped, but um, it just was what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously you'd already left by the time Bullard did the celebration a year later. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'd left by then, but yeah, it was great watching that. I remember watching Match of the Day and seeing it. Um, Great bit of improvisation by the lads. I remember um, I think I spoke to Paul McShane not so long ago actually, and he said it was it was his idea. Um, they was in the hotel before the night before the game, and I think it was his idea saying like if, if we score, then um, we've got to do the team talk from last year. And uh, so Paul McShane takes credit for that. But yeah, it was ironic. It was, it was Jimmy that scored the goal, and so he he had to point the finger. But yeah, magic. And um, what, what actually just briefly, real quickly before we finish, what was Bullard like as well, just um, as a person? Around it? Um, I think everyone knows the way Jimmy is. Um, yeah, he, he was great for us in the dressing room. He was he was great fun. Everyone enjoyed being around him um, most of the time. Um, he, he did get a bit much at times, um, but no, it's a it's a real shame that uh, he picked up a, a bad injury in his first game because. You could see from the first few training sessions he was involved in. He he was a midfield player that 
you know, constantly want to take the ball and, and, and you know, uh, get things moving. And uh, I think yeah. he was a huge help to the team um, in that in the sort of second half of the season. So for him to to come in and get injured was a was a big blow. But no, certainly a character. I remember him being sort of we had a dartboard up at the training ground, and he was a focal point. Um, playing darts, especially when he couldn't play football because he was injured, of course. But um, uh, Jimmy was a great character to have at the club, certainly. Yeah. Right, uh, well, it's been nice chatting to you, Michael. Thanks for coming on, mate. Um, Enjoyed it. A lot of very good... um... A lot of very good stories and answers there. Um, like obviously, as, as Hull City fans, we'd like to thank you for what you did for the club and, and your part that you played. Absolutely, getting us to getting us to positions we didn't think we'd ever be in, and uh, you you really were a great player with us, and you you still are looked upon as as one of the legendary few that got us up there amongst the fan base. So, uh, thanks for everything you did, and thanks for joining us. No, thanks very much. Yeah, like I say, um, my three years at Hull were certainly the best three years I had in my career. Even though the first year we just stayed up. Um, you know, getting promotion the second year and then staying in the Prem the third year. Looking back on my career now, um, all said and done, is um, certainly fond memories that will, will stay with me forever. So I appreciate um, the fans' support throughout those three years. And um, yeah, like I say, um, those times will never leave me. And that's what keeps me going, moving moving forward in life, certainly. Cheers. Thank you. See you, you later. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah. That was a good chat. Um, obviously, um, I just thought we'll take while, while we're on at the end of this one. Um, obviously, we've signed Siri. Um, I'll just take this chance to chat to you, Will, about obviously our transfer activity at the minute. And we signed um, four players at the minute. We've signed Siri, uh, Baxter, Tufan, and Figueredo. Um, what do you rate in? Obviously, lost George Honeyman, big loss, uh, in your opinion. I know you didn't join the space the other night. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm definitely going to miss him, but I think we've got an upgrade. For these players, um, mm. I think we're. It's, it's hard to say at this point because like, everything with preseason, it's always hard to work out who's going to be a good signing and who's not. I know that's a real cop out answer from me. Um, <laughs> Usually is. But, <laughs> I think I do think as much as I'm going to miss Honeyman, and I hear that we've lost him. Same with Smallwood. Do think the players we've got in are improved players in those positions. The worry is, with someone like Honeyman in particular, I don't think we needed to lose him. He would have been a fantastic backup. But obviously, he didn't want to be a backup. He wanted to play full-time. And I completely understand why he left. Mm. I mean, Millwall are actually doing some good business. They, they, they signed yeah. Charlie Cresswell from Leeds lately. They signed Honeyman from us. It looks and like they're going to get Jamie Shackleton. How have Bradford got Smallwood? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the fact that we've now drawn them in the cup as well. I know it's going to be a good game. That I think you know, quite a few City fans also probably say, "Oh, well, League Two's his level; he's gone down there," kind of thing. But we, I think, we forget how how good Smallwood was for us last season as a Championship player. And if you're a Bradford City fan and you're signing somebody who played nearly forty games at Championship level um, the season prior for free as well. Um, they're going to look at that as a phenomenal signing. And at that level, I think Smallwood would probably be one of the best midfielders in the league uh, Well, for what he does uh, and what he offers the team. Uh, so, maybe, yeah, it would be interesting to see uh, Smallwood in Brad- Bradford colours against us. Uh, it'd be a good game. I'm going to try and go to that one. But, yeah, uh, cheers, for, cheers for joining us, Will. Um, it was a very oh. enjoyable chat. I think we've got another couple of players lined up that we're going to try and get on. Um, obviously, Stuart Green. Um, 
is is in the process of trying to arrange a day to come on and and, and Boaz Mile as well, which will be a, a really good chat. I'm looking forward to chatting to Boaz because I think he's quite a character and he um but it's been very enjoyable. So thank you for everybody who tuned in today. I think we had quite a few consistent uh, viewers all the way through that. And anybody who's, who got the questions in, we tried to get them answered for you. Um, hope they were the answers you were looking for. Uh, as we said, the, the episode sponsored by Six Yards Out, uh, partnered up with Amber Circle. If you keep your eyes out on socials at the minute, there is actually going to be a new sponsor announced very shortly. And you can figure out via a secret message in the tweets lately. Uh, Will knows what's going on. Uh, so see if any of you eagle-eyed viewers uh, can spot the pattern in the tweets maybe uh, before we officially announce it uh but cheers for joining obviously head over to our link tree to visit all our sponsors and partners and uh we're going to be bringing you obviously the email subscriptions changing um to uh post pre-match per, uh, reports things like that and um, we've got peter matthews i think is going to come on and do some sort of blog style opinion pieces as well so uh we're, we're giving you city content pretty much everywhere at the minute podcast video content yeah. interviews and 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 email stuff so um look forward to a nice successful season three uh hopefully when this season begins uh we'll be chatting about a potential playoff push but thanks everybody for joining thanks for joining me will and uh, we'll see you next time yeah. away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.